Now at five, a law to keep students from reading certain books has another day in court. Why Texas wants to reinstate the ban and why some booksellers say the law is a burden. And rain is heading our way. All the timing for you and the updated severe weather risks coming up. And more hostages are being released, including an American. The push to extend the truce that's set to end tonight to get even more of them home. Well, a Texas law designed to keep sexually explicit books out of public school libraries is back in federal court. Thanks for joining us. I'm Daniel Marine. Britt is on assignment. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans heard arguments this morning in the state's appeal to reinstate the law, which was previously put on pause by a lower federal court. Our Monica Madden has the arguments in and outside of the courtroom. Censorship of certain books in court Wednesday. Reader is not a book ban. Texas's new law simply protects parents' rights to decide what materials their children will read. This is about a prohibition at this moment in time against selling any books to Texas schools. The state of Texas asking a federal appeals court to lift a ban on HB 900, also known as the Reader Act. We're talking about books that they know are radically explicit, that they desire to put in the hands of children. The law requires booksellers to rate every book before it is sold to a public school, specifically identifying sexually explicit content. Book People, the state's largest independent bookstore, is leading the lawsuit. This is not our specialty. This is not um, what we do. What we do is we sell books. We're really just a middleman. Its CEO says that it's a high burden for booksellers to read each and every book to make subjective determinations really don't see a way for any of us to be able to comply uh, with this law as written, not to mention just the amount of time it takes to read a book to be able to rate it. Appellate judges not signaling how they may rule in this clash over free speech. We appreciate um, counsel for both sides for the argument and the case is submitted. Monica Madden, KXAN News. And the law also requires parents to give written consent to schools if their child wants to read a book that was rated sexually relevant. Now again, the Reader Act is currently non-enforceable pending the court's decision. Going in depth, a report by the American Library Association found a surge in book restrictions between January and August. The association's Office for Intellectual Freedom reported nearly 700 challenges to library materials or services. The group says most were books written by or about a person of color or a member of the LGBTQ plus community. Now, this is something we looked into as part of our investigative series, Outlaw. This year, a fifth of the country's state-level bills impacting the LGBTQ plus community were filed in Texas. That's according to a human rights campaign analysis. Equality Texas tracked a record 141 such bills this year. That's up from just 12 in 2015. You can find our in-depth, fair, rigorous, and balanced reporting taking a look at what this trend could mean for the state's future right now on KXAN.com. Franklin Barrett Seacrest, the man who pled guilty in the 2021 arson of an Austin synagogue, was sentenced by a federal judge to 10 years in prison. In October of 2021, arson investigators responded to a fire that started on the ground outside of Congregation Beth Israel in central Austin. According to the government's sentencing memorandum filed last week, normal sentencing guidelines call for a prison term of about five years, but prosecutors asked the judge to sentence Seacrest to 10 years in prison due to the, quote, tremendous damage they say Seacrest did with what they call his deep-seated hatred of persons of Jewish faith. 
The judge also recommended a mental health facility and that marshals put him on a suicide watch. Arbogon Hollis is going to have more on this sentencing ahead on KXAN News at 6. First warning weather with meteorologist Sean Kelly. Happy Wednesday, everyone. 5.03 is the time and another day here below average with temperatures nice and cool into the lower 60s. So far this month, we have been below average as a whole. The average temperature for a high factoring the highs and the lows 61 degrees, and we've been below it. And today, that continues that trend, 62 degrees. It's cloudy out there, and it's starting to become pretty muggy as we start to see some moisture and eventually some rain streaming in from the south. It's 59 and chilly from Llano down through Fredericksburg, especially in the metro here. We're into the 60s, 61 in Driftwood, 60 in Florence, 62 in Taylor and then out towards the east we're into the low and middle 60s as well 66 in Cedar Creek 64 in Lexington and we're watching out for that severe storm risk we'll go through the timeline with you and talk about the spin in the atmosphere that we could see tomorrow morning that could produce maybe one or two tornadoes that's ahead in first warning weather all right, Sean, thank you very much. Today, a last-minute push is on to extend the ceasefire between Israel and Hamas to free more hostages and get more aid into Gaza. We're learning more hostages are being released as we speak, including an American. This as the Israeli military looks into a tragic claim about the youngest hostage. NBC's Alice Barr reports. More hostages released today shown in this Hamas video amid a flurry of diplomacy in the final day of the temporary truce between Israel and Hamas seeking to extend the fragile agreement. Its continuation by definition means that more hostages would be coming home, more assistance uh, would be getting in. Overwhelming relief for the dozens of families reunited as hostages kidnapped by Hamas are exchanged for Israeli-held Palestinian prisoners. But now, potentially devastating news. The Israeli military says it's assessing a Hamas claim that the youngest hostage, Kafir Bibas, his four-year-old brother and their mother were all killed. Hamas blaming an Israeli airstrike without presenting evidence. The news coming just after a rally for the family in Tel Aviv where balloons as bright as as the children's hair soared to the sky. Israel's prime minister renewing his vow to destroy Hamas when hostage negotiations are done. U.S. officials urging against an Israeli assault on southern Gaza without a plan to protect civilians seeking refuge there. The United States has urged Israel to take every possible measure to prevent civilian casualties. On Capitol Hill, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, the highest-ranking Jewish elected official, speaking against growing anti-Semitism and a haunting history of violence. No matter how well we're doing, it can all be taken away in an instant. That's just how it is. We only have to look back a century, a few generations, to see how this can happen. Incidents of Islamophobia are also surging. In Vermont, the FBI and ATF investigating the shooting of three college students of Palestinian descent as a possible hate crime. The community calling for peace. In Washington, Alice Barr, NBC News. One person is confirmed dead after a U.S. military aircraft crashed in the sea near Japan. Six people were on board and only one has been recovered from the water. He wasn't breathing and was later pronounced dead at a hospital. Right now, the cause of the crash is still unknown and crews are looking for the others. An illness is spreading around China. Now that is triggering for many reasons, but the WHO is saying about it. And some Central Texas students are at risk of being rezoned again. 
why growth is to blame and what the district has to consider. There's growing concern over a mysterious respiratory outbreak in China. Doctors in hospital emergency rooms say they're seeing a lot of sick children from toddlers to teens, mostly with respiratory infections, including pneumonia. Health officials say the surge is happening in Beijing and clusters across northern China. And as you would imagine, this is triggering some alarm bells. The World Health Organization asked Chinese authorities for answers. The WHO says China shared its data that showed no sign of a new disease so far. What's going around right now, according to Chinese health officials, is now a mix of a known mix of flu, RSV, COVID, and mycoplasma. That's walking pneumonia. Scientists say right now there is no need to panic. A San Francisco-based startup innovating a medication that may increase a dog's lifespan is one step closer to getting the drug on the market. Loyal, whose CEO and founder grew up in Austin, announced today the U.S. Food and Drug Administration found their drug has a, quote, reasonable expectation of effectiveness. That means there is strong evidence to suggest the drug could extend a dog's life, especially larger dogs. I think it's actually in some ways crucial for dogs because when dogs get sick with age-related diseases, think cancers, dementia, osteoarthritis, it's really difficult to do much for them and it's very 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 expensive now the company has a couple of more steps before the drug is completely fda approved but the team hopes it can be available for dog owners as soon as 2026. well a lot goes into picking out your family christmas tree just how much real trees help out the state's economy well, it was another cool day here in Central Texas, a high temperature of 63 degrees. But coming up, we're talking about a warm-up that lasts each and every day all the way through next weekend. We'll talk about that. We'll time out the rain that we're expecting overnight and an update here for the severe weather risk and that tornado threat that's ahead. One Central Texas school district is making big adjustments to deal with rapid growth. They may need to redraw attendance lines, attendance lines, I should say, again after rezoning just two years ago. But some parents don't want their students to move to new schools again. KXN's Mercedes Hernandez spoke to Leander ISD leaders about the decisions the district has to consider. Our children have been required to move schools three times in four years. Leander ISD moms McKenna Burke and Allison Baskind say they don't want their children to have to change schools again. Where they've really flourished and it's become home. Attendance zones for their neighborhood changed two years ago and their children started over at North Elementary. As the district considers changing the boundaries for elementary campuses again, they say they're worried. It was hard for them to connect with new kids. It was hard for them to attach to faculty the way they had done at their previous school. Leander ISD Superintendent Bruce Gearing says the district will open a new elementary school next fall to relieve overcrowding. And that means some students will have to move. He says the district is trying to limit how often children move, but sometimes it just has to happen. But whenever you open a new campus, you of course have to put kids from other zones into that new school and create a new zone. So far, the district has put three draft scenarios in front of parents for feedback. Gearing says that's because what happens next will impact the next decade. We like to always try to say, here's the zoning that's going to happen for this elementary school opening, but here's what is, can potentially happen over the next 10-year period as well. Gearing says the rezoning deadline will move into January to get more parent feedback. 
Burke and Baskind say they hope plans for their kids will change over the next few weeks. We're going to continue to advocate for our children. And Leander, Mercedes Hernandez, KXAN News. And Gearing says this rezoning will mostly affect campuses in the northern part of the school district. They'll have two public meetings to discuss this. One is tonight at 6 o'clock at North Elementary, and the other is going to be on December 5th. Now, yesterday, we told you Georgetown ISD is considering changing the boundaries of seven of its schools to accommodate a booming student population. Next year, the district will add an elementary and middle school campus to relieve overcrowding at four of its elementary schools and three of its middle schools. The superintendent told us many of these schools are or at near capacity and with more growth projected over the next 10 years. This is one of the only options the district has in order to keep up. Well, when it's time to get a Christmas tree, you have to decide if you want a real one or a fake one. And while they're all pretty, the real ones are the ones that make money. Texas's Christmas tree industry contributed more than $700 million to the state's economy last year and helped over 6,000 people get jobs. That's according to the Texas A&M Forest Service. The service found more than 4 million real Christmas trees are sold each year statewide. And speaking of fresh trees, quite a large one is being lit in New York City tonight. Here's a preview. There it is, this year's Rockefeller Center Christmas tree, which is going to be illuminated tonight. It is covered in 50,000 LED lights, stands 80 feet tall, topped with that Swarovski star. This year's tree comes from three hours away in upstate New York for the family donating it. It has a lot of meaning. We're going to bring you their story coming up tonight on NBC Nightly News. Nice. Sean, you were just saying that imagine if right. one light bulb goes out and it all goes up. It used to happen to me all the time, <laughs> putting up the lights. I'm sure it's a little bit more high-tech now. a little, tech little now. more sophisticated yeah. over there, yeah. I, I, I think so. But hey, it's a season. It the is. holidays are upon us. We've got the cooler weather to kind of put you in the spirit of the season. But that's actually going to change. We're looking at warming temperatures as we head towards the weekend. And basically all of next week looking pretty warm, but it's cloudy, it's gray. Happy Wednesday. We're right in the middle of the week here, and it's been frigid for the most part, unseasonably cool. 59 in Burnett, 55 in Fredericksburg, 58 in Mason, 55 in Blanco. Out towards the east, we're at 64 in Bastrop, 64 in uh, LaGrange. And the winds have been pretty light for the most part, but look at this. Tomorrow, we've got a windy day ahead of us. And this is not even factoring in some of those stronger thunderstorms we could see in the first half of the day. This is just some plain old southerly winds pumping up the warmth and the temperatures here with some wind gusts near 30 miles per hour. So here it is. It is a low risk, but something we're watching out for. Could see a few isolated, strong to severe thunderstorms, mainly east of I-35. But even for us up and down the I-35 corridor, we need to be weather aware and watch out that if any thunderstorm does form, it may have the potential to briefly spin up into a a weak tornado and we're talking brief maybe just a few minutes but we need to watch out for that especially in the little bit higher risk here that slight risk at two to five for areas in yellow that'll be milam county lee county and portion portions of fayette county i'll show you the timeline that we're looking at here in just a moment for right now we've got nothing going on just the clouds moving in the clouds continue to thicken we continue to see the increase of humidity out there i mean it's been cloudy and gray all day from san saba county all the way down through fayette county and and we'll continue to see that through the overnight with some of that rain for the most part for the next few hours through midnight not reaching the ground. I think after midnight we start to see that fog start to build up. We start to see some of that light rain building from Hayes County here into Travis County and then up towards the north and east. Look at this. 
4.30 through 5.30, that's when I think we start to see a few scattered thunderstorms developing from I-35 on out towards the east. Then about 6.30, they start to build in intensity and even in coverage. And this is when we could maybe see a brief spin-up. I mean, briefly, as it pushes out towards the east. Notice the hill country, by the way, missing out, showing that thunderstorm activity continuing on through 7.30, 8.30 in the morning, even through as late as lunchtime. We'll have to watch out for that threat. I think, though, a lot of the models by lunch show the rain is out of here and even some sun starting to break out. 2, 3 o'clock guaranteeing you some sunshine and dry weather. So how much rain do we see? Well, if you get hit by a few thunderstorms, a few downpours, maybe over a quarter of an inch. On average, though, we're talking about a tenth of an inch of rain. That's looking most likely. Of course, there'll be maybe one or two isolated areas that pick up a little bit more than that with some lesser amounts out towards the hill country. You're only going to get really some mist and drizzle out there. So 56 degrees for a low overnight. That's 60% chance of rain. That arrives after midnight tonight. The intensity starts to pick up as we get towards that early morning commute, especially east of Austin along 77. 73 degrees, by the way. It's going to be a warm day. It'll be cloudy through about 2, 3 o'clock. Then we start to see some clearing, and it's going to be windy. Get ready for that. So uh, make sure you're prepared if you've got those uh, Christmas lights up. Make sure that they're really tied down. So even after the cold front moves in tomorrow evening into Friday morning, look at this. We're still dealing with warm weather. 71 degrees for high temperature. A spot shower on Saturday with a nice stretch of weather here early next week. Hi, Sean. Thank you very much. Well, tomorrow is the last day to nominate an inspiring Central Texas woman for our Remarkable Women contest. Look for this under the News tab at KXAN.com, or you can just point your phone's camera at the code on your screen. We're going to feature four finalists right here on KXAN, and then our local winner is going to travel to Los Angeles, where the national winner will be chosen. A new study shows more parents are giving their children a popular sleep aid. Why doctors are concerned and the suggestions to get to the root of the issue. Right now, we continue our reporting on child deaths linked to infant loungers. Tonight, the proposed new design changes meant to save lives. And finally, inflation relief at the gas pump. Just how low will prices go? Ahead on Nightly News. A new research from the University of Colorado Boulder shows more parents are using melatonin to help their children fall asleep. And it's concerning some doctors. The study of 1,000 parents shows more than 18% gave their kids ages 5 to 9 melatonin within 30 days of the study. For ages 10 to 13, that amount was even higher at about 19%, and 6% of kids under the age of 4 got it. That's up from a previous study five years ago in which only 1.3% of parents gave their kids melatonin. Now, doctors don't want children to become dependent on the sleep aid, and since melatonin is found over-the-counter, it's hard to really know how much of it you're getting. One doctor suggests instead of the pills, creating a more consistent schedule at night, maybe a warm bath, limiting screen time, and turning down the lights in the house. But he says there are some kids who may benefit from melatonin. That includes children within the autism spectrum, also ADHD, or with sleep disorders. And as always, just talk to your doctor if you have any concerns. Well, today, family and friends said their final goodbyes to former First Lady Rosalind Carter. A private funeral service was held at the Carter's home church in Plains, Georgia. Mrs. Carter died last week at the age of 96. Former President Carter, who's been in hospice care since February, attended the service. The Carter's children, grandchildren, and pastor shared moving eulogies about Rosalind's life, including her dedication to service and advocacy. 
Well, we're ringing in the holidays tonight on KXAN. You can watch Christmas in Rockefeller Center live at 7 o'clock, followed by Christmas in Graceland at 9 o'clock, and then we're back with more news at 10. Or you can join us an hour earlier for KXAN News at 9 over on CW Austin. Here's where to find us.